Uh, this morning, we continue our series called Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And uh, today, I want to I backtrack a little bit and uh, give you a little bit more information on the background uh, to the book of Luke, and, and then we'll close in prayer today. Uh, you know, as we go on with, uh, with the story that Luke presents, there's a number of themes that Luke wants you to notice. And so during the course of the series, I'm going to encourage you to grab a pen, grab a highlighter, uh, grab a journal, and every time you notice one of these themes, just highlight in your Bible, highlight in your, uh, in your, in your journal, underline something in your Bible, or, or uh, grab a pen and write a note in the margins of your Bible. Um, and this morning, if you don't have a Bible, come and find me. I'll be happy to get you one. Last week, we went through the first four verses of uh, chapter 1 in the book of Luke, and we found out that Luke was going to write this account of Jesus by seeking evidence, by looking for eyewitness evidence. He went to all of the places that were surrounding the events of Jesus so that you would be confident in knowing that what you heard about Jesus is true and not a fairy tale. That's what he tells us. After all, we... We don't believe that this book is just an ordinary book. That's, that's what we were talking about last week. But we believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt that this book is God-breathed. And so doesn't it make sense that our God would have ordained that the text of our Bible would have been preserved with so much greater care and so much greater integrity than any other book? And so at the end of the day, God has proven time and time and time again that this book is historically accurate. And he has proven that, 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 you know, this book has survived the test of time. And this book has withstood every argument against it. It's, it's gone through the fire and it's come out stronger because this book is no ordinary book. God has preserved this book in such a way that you can trust it. You can trust it. And you can believe in it. You can rely on it. And you can even build your life on this book. And then last week we said that if this is no ordinary book, then why do so many of us treat it as though it is? And as we closed our time last week, we were doing our best to make a commitment, right, to carve out some time in our busy, crazy, hectic lives to dive into the Word and, and to get involved in the Word so that you would be encouraged and so that you would be healed and so that you would be strengthened by the Word, so that you would be nourished by the Word. But this requires you and it requires me to get into the word. It requires us to dive into the word and be committed to the word. So as you go on reading through the life of Jesus and Luke, investigate for yourself and follow the clues yourself and analyze the evidence that Luke presents. And I'll tell you that if you do that, you will, there will be no doubt that you'll find that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the king and that he is the Messiah. 
This morning, I want to tell you about some of these key themes that we're going to run into and take note of Jesus in this gospel. Number one, the first thing that I want you to take note of is this upside-down kingdom of God, the upside-down kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is this major theme throughout all of Scripture. You remember in the Old Testament, the people are crying out to God, and they're saying, hey, God, we want to be like everybody else. We want to be like every other nation, so would you just give us a king? And God says, look, I I am your king. And the people say, no, 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 we want to be like everybody else, so would you just give us a king? And God says, okay, but you're going to regret this. And then there's a king, and there's problem after problem after problem. And through the Old Testament, the people are waiting for their promised king. They're waiting for a king to rule over their enemies. And now Luke presents King Jesus. And he presents this king in the most unexpected ways. He doesn't come in as conquering hero, but as suffering servant. He's not a king who's born into riches, but He's born into poverty. He's not this prince who's born in a palace. He's this baby born in a dirty feeding trough. And God says, here's your king. And and Luke presents this upside-down kingdom. This is this kingdom that's unexpected, a, a kingdom that's not of this world. Through the gospel of Luke, Jesus is going to describe what the kingdom is like. He says the kingdom of God is good news. He says the kingdom of God is for the poor. The kingdom of God requires perseverance, and the kingdom of God is sometimes small, but it'll have huge influence. He says not everyone will enter the kingdom of God, but anyone and who's from anywhere can be part of the kingdom of God. He says there is a cost to joining the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God requires this childlike faith. The kingdom of God starts within you and it flows out of you. So I have this question that I want to ask you this morning. Does the kingdom of God flow out of you? The kingdom was inaugurated with the presence of King Jesus. So does the presence of King Jesus flow out of you. You know, when you hear this kingdom of God language, there's, there's a few things that we need to realize. You can experience the kingdom of God by knowing the king. You can only understand what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the kingdom of God if you know King Jesus. So do you know the king? Not do you know some stories about King Jesus. Not does your mom and dad know King Jesus. Do you know the king personally? Do you have a friendship with the king? One of the easiest ways to answer this question is to look into your heart. And to examine your heart and ask yourself this. Who's on the throne of your heart? Or what is really on the throne of your heart? Is it money? 
Is money on the throne of your heart? Is it your career? Is your career on the throne of your heart? Is it your family? Is it education? Is it you? I mean, are you on the throne of your heart? Or is it King Jesus? Does he reside in your heart? And is he on the throne of your heart? You know, you can do your best by going through this series with us, trying to understand what Jesus meant every time he tried to explain the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God will mean nothing to you if you don't know the king. The second thing that that Luke wants to draw attention to is people. Jesus had these really strong friendships. He had these strong friendships with his followers. He had these really strong friendships with the disciples. And he treated people with extra care, treated people with with genuine concern, not, not as these lowly peasants who are under his kingship. And he reached out to all sorts of people, and Luke shows us that Jesus had this special concern for the outcasts of society. He has this concern for the leper and for the sick and for the destitute. And halfway through Luke, we'll read about the story of the Good Samaritan where Jesus shows us to be sensitive and to show love and concern for a people group who are a different culture. Luke wants us to know that Jesus cared for the Samaritans, and he cared for the tax collectors. He cared for the outcasts of society. You know, during the time of Jesus, women and children were seen as these second-class citizens. And Luke shows Jesus giving special attention and special treatment to women and children. He's concerned for the poor and the homeless and the despised and the rejected and the lonely and the hurt and the sinner. So what about you? What's your concern like for other people? How do you treat other people? If Dr. Luke ran his eyewitness investigation and talked to the people surrounding your life, what would you be known for? What if Luke talked to your family, to your spouse or to your kids or to your parents? I mean, if he talked to them, what would you be known for? How would they say that you treated other people? What if Luke talked to your neighbors or your grocery clerk or the gas attendant? I mean, what if Luke interviewed the people that you don't like? What would he say about you? What would he write about you? What if Luke talked to your pastor? Well, let's not go there, right? And I hope and I pray that as we work through this series, you'll be challenged with how you treat other people, people who look differently than you and people who speak differently than you, people whose skin color might be different than yours, people who wear certain types of clothes that are not 
like yours, people who believe in something different than what you believe, people who have been marginalized in our culture. And in the next few weeks, you'll be challenged with how you deal with the poor and how you deal with those in need. How do you treat the sinner? In this series, Jesus is going to show us how we ought to treat people. That we need to love people regardless of what they look like. That we need to love people regardless of their gender and their race and their age or their education or their career path and, and even their religion. And this morning, maybe you're here and you actually feel like that second-class citizen. Maybe you feel like that in your community. Maybe you feel like that at your workplace. Maybe, maybe you feel like you're the outcast of society because of your level of education. Maybe because of some illness. Maybe you've been bullied because of your appearance. Maybe there's something else that's going on in your heart and in your life right now because of some insecurities that you have about yourself and you just feel like you're the outcast and you feel like you're this second-class citizen. I don't want to tell you today that regardless of what others have said about you, you are not a second-class citizen in the eyes of Jesus. And you are not a second-class citizen in the eyes of God. And I want to remind you that Jesus loves you more than anything in this world. You are important to him. Jesus, he comes and he shows sympathy to the poor. And he shows sympathy to the despised and the rejected and the hurt and the sinner. He doesn't ignore these people. He doesn't brush these people off to the side. He doesn't reject anyone. Jesus, he reaches across these racial lines and he reaches across cultural lines he breaks all of these social norms to let people know that he loved them with a fierce love. Do you love others this way? Do you love Jesus this way? I'm going to ask Tim to come forward as we begin to close this service. The last thing that Luke wants us to take note of is geography. The story that Luke begins with, he, he starts the story in the north, in Galilee, and, and the climax of the entire story ends in Jerusalem. In Luke chapter 9, Luke says this, he says, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And then Luke would continue to use this phrase, he's on his way, he was on his way, he's on his way, he's on his way to Jerusalem. Here's Jesus, and, and, and he's traveling in the north, and he's going about preaching and teaching and healing and extending some grace and mercy and love to the poor and to the outcast, and Luke reminds us that he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's visiting all these different parts of Israel. He's going to different places in Galilee, but he's on his way to Jerusalem. 
There are times where he'll travel past Jerusalem, but Luke will say that he's on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus knows that he can't spend too much time in Galilee. He can't spend too much time in these other cities. He doesn't have enough time to spend there. And the story revolves around the fact that for 17 times, Luke would mention that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And this is incredibly significant because there is something that is waiting for Jesus in Jerusalem. He has mission on his mind. He's got a purpose on his mind, and it all comes together when he arrives in Jerusalem. And when he finally arrives to Jerusalem, you'll notice that the story begins to slow down because Luke wants us to understand how important that mission is. See, our our Jesus will enter into Jerusalem. He'll he'll begin with this hero's welcome and people will declare that he is the king that they've been waiting for, but that wasn't his mission. That wasn't his purpose in going to Jerusalem. He didn't go there to be crowned as their king. But it would be only a few days later that Jesus would be falsely accused. And he would be falsely imprisoned, and he would be beaten and tortured to death. And Jesus would die outside the walls of Jerusalem on a criminal's cross because that was the mission. When Luke tells us that Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, it means that Jesus set his face to the cross. And now when we read that Jesus was in the north and he's opening up blind eyes and he's opening up deaf ears, but he was on his way to Jerusalem, it means that Jesus was on his way to the cross. While all these wonderful things are going on, Jesus was on a mission to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was on a mission to fulfill his purpose. Jesus was on a mission to get to that cross. And it would be in Jerusalem where Jesus would pour out his love for you. He would pour out his love for you by enduring suffering and by going through pain and by dying on that cross so that you would be set free and so that you can experience life to the fullest. And so when Luke tells us that Jesus' face was set towards Jerusalem, Jesus is fixated on the cross because he is fixated on And when we start reading through the book of Luke and and read that Jesus was on his way, I want you to know that Jesus was on his way towards you. He was on his way to set you free. He was on his way to set you free from sin and death. He was on his way to pour out his love 
for you. He was on his way to make a way out of no way. He was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on his way to the cross. He's on his way to you. With your eyes closed this morning and your heads bowed, I'm going to ask the prayer team. Prayer team, would you come forward this morning? Here's the challenge that God has for us today. I'm just going to ask you just to examine your hearts this morning. Commit to reading the word. Commit to diving into the word. Commit to spending some time in the book of Luke this week. It's the first challenge. The second challenge this morning, when it comes to people, how do you treat other people? Do you treat them with hostility? Do you treat them with impatience? Or do you treat them with grace and mercy and the love of Jesus? Finally, when it comes to your heart, who sits on the throne? Is it money? Is it career? Is it family? Or is it you? Is Jesus really on the throne of your heart? Or have you replaced him with something else? Have you replaced him with someone else? Who is on the throne of your heart? And so this morning, if you want to make the Lord Jesus the king of your life and the king of your heart, you can come forward today and pray with one of our prayer team members. Today, if you need a healing, we want to pray with you and believe for a healing. Some of you just need to do some business with God this morning. And so as Tim begins to lead us in some more worship today, would you commit to the Lord this morning?